Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Rex Ogle is the author of Punching Bag. Rex has been on this podcast before for his first book, Free Lunch. Rex was born and raised mostly in Texas. He moved to New York City after college to pursue an editorial career, interning at Marvel Comics before working at DC Comics and later at Scholastic and Little Brown Young Readers. He's championed over a dozen New York Times bestsellers on major brands such as X-Men, Justice League, Star Wars, Lego, Power Rangers, Transformers, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But writing for himself was always the ultimate goal. He has written under a lot of pen names, most notably Trey King, Honest Lee, and Ray Tercero, which is just Espanol for third king, which is apt since Rex is Latin for king, and Rex is the third Rex in his family. Now he lives in Los Angeles, where he writes full-time when he's not outside hiking with his dog, Toby, playing Mario Kart with friends, and losing terribly, or reading. Welcome, Rex. Thank you for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Punching Bag. Thanks for having me. Actually, I'm holding this up, but I have another copy of it somewhere. But sorry, I'm holding up the galley. So anyway, (laughs) that's the one I was reading. 
As you know, I was such a huge fan of Free Lunch when it came out, along with a lot of other people, of course, because it was beautiful and poignant and moving and all the rest. And Punching Bag is the next phase of your life and your past and how you got through so much of it. What, like, what is it like writing your way through these really painful moments and why keep going back to it? Like why the continuation? Why not a continuation essentially, but why keep going from free lunch? Why another volume essentially? Um, That's a good question. I mean, with free lunch, I felt there was such an important need to talk about, you know, living and growing up in poverty. And it was really important. And it was hard to write, but it felt necessary. With Punching Bag, it kind of actually came out of Free Lunch. Free Lunch was originally about twice the length. And when I was writing Free Lunch, I kept coming back to my sister. And my publisher and my editor basically said, you know, this is such an important story. It doesn't feel like it goes in free lunch. It feels like it, it deserves its own space. And so I agreed to it, not realizing how much more painful it would be to write. Free lunch was difficult. Punching bag was probably 10 times as hard. And it's one of those things where with free lunch, I've, I've done school visits, I've gone to libraries, and like I've, I've met so many people who reached out and said, thank you for writing the book. And so that kind of helped me through the the darker times of writing Punching Bag, because it, it certainly was not an easy book to write. Wow. You wrote in the beginning how it might be triggering for some people, and there was sort of a, a word of warning. Why include that? You know, I talked about it with my, my publisher, and again, it was one of those things that it just felt... There's a lot that happens in the book. There's a lot that's that's really heavy. And we wanted people to kind of know what they were getting themselves into ahead of time. So he came up with the idea and I was 100% on board. I thought it was a good idea because it's it's not an easy book to sit down and read. No, but so powerful. I mean, isn't that one of the goals of a book, right? It's just like, for me at least, it's it's the ability to create such an intense feeling right? Like that I could be going through my day and blah, blah, blah. And then I sit down to read a few pages of your book and I'm immediately like horrified, engrossed, you know, feel so bad for you and all the stuff that you went through. And yet at the same time, so impressed that you've overcome all of this. And even Rex at the end, like your afterward that, um, can I read part of this or, you know, I mean, I guess it's not a plot spoiler that you survive because here we are talking, but in the afterward, you wrote, I survived. Repeating that is good. It's important to remind yourself after something truly awful has happened to you that you are still alive, that you are still kicking, that you can keep going, that you survived. We are all survivors. We all have a past. We all have tragedy in our lives. We all have dark moments that we want to forget or at the very least forgive. And forgiveness is important. And then you went on to explain some of your decisions in terms of forgiveness of various people in your family. And you say how, as hard as it was, I chose to let go of toxic relationships and focus on positive connections. I have new friends, new family, a new partner, and a good life. I am learning to be happy. I am telling you all this because I want you to know again that I survived and that whatever you've gone through, you've survived it to be here in the present now. But if you're anything like me, you're carrying a lot of pain. My advice, let it go. Let the past be the path. past. Move forward, which is so beautiful and inspiring. How do people move? How do you really move forward from this? Like how? I yeah. Mean- <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, for me, it's been a lot of therapy. I'm on antidepressants. I still deal with anxiety and depression every day. You know, I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and it's, it's not easy. Even, even this morning I woke up and I was just, it's a little gray here in Los Angeles and I didn't want to get out of bed. And I had to just kind of push myself to get out of bed and remind myself that it's going to be a nice day, even if it's cloudy and just to stay positive. And it's, it's not something that comes naturally to me. And I think that a lot of people struggle with staying positive and it's, oh, it's not easy, but I put in the work and I, I think putting in the work is so important. Wow. I didn't want to get out of bed this morning either. If it makes you feel any better. <laughs> I think you're, there are a lot of people who could relate to that. But the, the, the amount of violence that you not only witnessed, but were the recipient of, and I mean... There, there's like two pieces to it. One is watching the violence between your stepfather and your and your mom, and another is when you were caught in the crossfire so many times, or the the subject of it yourself, and you know, in so many ways. I don't know how you go about like it's your own pain, but it's also what you saw, right? Like there's there's two pieces to it. Do you ever like is it worth even teasing them apart, or is it all just like one big thing to you? You know what I mean? You know, I feel like, I mean, they, they were separate instances because witnessing it happening to my mom made me feel so helpless and so powerless. But then also receiving it kind of did the same thing, just in a different way. You know, for me, looking back, it's it's just such a hard thing to to deal with. It, like, I, I can't even wrap my head around it sometimes. It feels like it happened to a different person, but it's so viscerally happened to me. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... All right, bad question. I don't know. I was oh, just... oh, it's, not a, it's not a bad question. It's just, it's one of those things where as I, I recall it, it, it feels like it, it's just so visceral and it, it's not one of those things that I'll ever be able to forget. I, uh, as I was reading, I kept sort of hoping you would be saved, right? That somebody was going to swoop in and that, that it would all sort of end and everything would be great and whatever. And uh, the one scene where the police came in the beginning, you know, towards the beginning, I guess, and you you had just moved, and I guess your new neighbors must have heard the violence and reported it, and they came, and there was that moment with you and the cops sort of crouching down, or at least that's how I remember it, like looking into your eyes and you, you know, thinking like, should I say something? And then being like, no, I can't leave my brother. And I, you know, what, what would happen if I said something? And then that decision right then, I felt like that was such a, you know, like a turning point. Like you were like, I'm in it. I'm in it because I, you know, we're a unit and this is just how it has to be. But I wondered like, what if, you know, what, like at these different turning points, like, I don't know. <laughs> how yeah. do you know? Is that how you sort of look back? And I'm sorry, we can change the topic. No, <laughs> this gray day I'm, and sort of I mean, make it more happy. We're going to talk about the book. <laughs> no, I I kept you know I mean even as a little kid like I had fantasies of being like rescued by my real parents. Like I kept thinking like maybe this isn't these aren't my biological parents or my mom my because obviously I was with my stepdad, yeah. but I kept hoping that like secretly I had a different mom somewhere and that she would come in and rescue me. But I also had dreams of going to live with my abuela, which I ended up doing. I moved out when I was 16 yeah. and moved in with her to finish high school. And yeah, it was one of those things where it's, it was hard because I, I would see other kids at school dropped off by their parents and, you know, their moms would give them a hug and a kiss. And it, it instilled in me like a sense of, 
envy. And I was just like, I, I want that. But the truth is, is that you never know what other people are going through. You know, for, for all I know, those kids were going through something similar, or, you know, and that's the thing is that, you know, I've chatted with some of my friends who I went to high school with since the book came out. And a few of them were like, you know, we suspected, like we knew, I mean, you, you came to school with bruises all the time and, you know, <sighs> but then I had other friends who were like, I had no idea. Like you were always such like a happy person. And I was like, I was a clown. Like I was really putting on a show for people at school. And it was, I think I needed to fake it till I make it. That was kind of what I did back then. That's still kind of what I do now. You know, I, I put on a brave face, but inside sometimes I feel like I'm falling apart. And I think a lot of people do that, especially, you know, I know a lot of young moms who are dealing with that. My sister-in-law just had a baby and she's struggling right now. But I mean, if you look at her Instagram, she looks like she's having the best motherhood ever. (laughs) And it's just, it's one of those things to keep in mind. Like it's easy to think other people have a better life, but until you really engage with them, you don't really know. That's true. That's true. But I also think what you're lacking, there's an extra spotlight that goes on that particular thing, right? Yes, they might have had something terrible going on at home, but you were so desperate for that hug that it became, you know, like in in marquee lights and, you know, Times Square type of thing because it's like what you were so lacking, right? So it just was magnified. That's the word. Yeah. It becomes magnified. But it's true. I mean, that's the crazy thing about, about people is that we – you decide what to show who and when at any time. And you can just essentially act. I mean, right. You can just say, I mean, I went through a period of time where, you know, people, people were surprised to hear stuff that had happened. And, you know, I'm like, well, that's what I do. Like I, you know, I could be crying an hour ago and then I could be on the news and I'm going to be fine, you know, but you you don't have to know that. Right. Like, it's just, that's, I, I don't, there are all these different parts of us that enable us to really navigate the world. And I don't know if they're coping mechanisms. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I don't know. You never know what's going on behind closed doors, I guess. Is really the point. Anyway, well, okay. To, to put a more positive spin, and I know this is such a dark place and I, 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 I am hesitant to like take you back into it. I know we're here to talk about the book, but it is powerful and it is raw and, you know, so so worth reading for everybody out there. I mean, to get this for anyone who hasn't been involved in a, in a family situation or hasn't seen violence, but it's only heard about domestic violence some way, like this is so important. It's your work is so important in aggregate to know the effect, like the, what it looks like up close and the effect on the child. And of course you've done the work and here you are, but like, you know, it, it shouldn't be, <laughs> taken lightly. And especially now with everybody being home. And that was one of the things I thought about a lot in COVID during lockdown at the beginning in particular, like what about families where it's not safe for kids to be locked in all the time? I mean, do you feel, did you feel like that at all back then too? As soon as the, the quarantine started back, what, two years ago, I, like my heart started aching and I was like, there are kids who are now trapped in their homes with their abusers and and if their parents are laid off like i can't imagine like uh, i thought it was bad and i had the escape of school like school was a, a monday through friday escape that i got where i could go and feel like a normal kid or you know you know focus on school 
educating myself, focus on reading, focusing on being social, like it was an escape. And so when COVID started, I was just like, oh God, like there's going to be so many kids who are stuck at home with these parents who are, I don't want to call them monsters, but you know, abusers. And my heart breaks thinking about what that's like. And I, I really hope that these kids are having some outlet. I, I will say that there's so many resources now and kids have easy access to Wi-Fi and internet and et cetera, et cetera. And hopefully they are taking advantage of those 1-800 numbers because I didn't know stuff like that existed. You know, I mean, given I was a kid 30 years ago, it was, you know, it, that stuff existed, but I don't think it, it, it was not easy to find. And so I'm, I'm hoping that kids are taking advantage of these resources that are out there. Have you thought about like any way to prevent it? Like, like, are you involved with things to help other kids or are there charities you like, or is there any, aside from 800 numbers, like anything you've sort of clung to or that like you could like, what about people who want to help? Like, cause what can you really do? I mean, what can we all really do? I mean, I, I, I speak to so many schools and so many libraries and that is kind of like my gateway to kids and yep. reminding them that there, there are resources out there that they could take advantage of that are anonymous, that are free. Um, because some of these kids just need someone to talk to. And so, you know, in visiting these title one schools, like I remind them, like, you need to take advantage. Please take advantage. You know, if you or someone you know is going through that, you know, and for the, I talk to a lot of teachers and a lot of educators and they're like, well, what do we do in these situations? And, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I tell them to call child protective services, which, you know, I had it called on me several or on my parents several times and nothing came of it because it was Texas and it was 30 years ago. And I, I think, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I still think that there's generational violence. Like, this is how some kids are raised because this is how their parents were raised because this is how their grandparents were raised because that's how their great-grandparents were raised. Like, it's a generational thing passed down from generation to generation. And, you know, people who are abused as kids are much more likely to abuse their kids. And it's a devastating fact that this is the truth, not just in America, but in the whole world. And I think it's it's a silent thing that we don't talk about. And so, yeah, I, I encourage teachers and educators to use those resources and to reach out and, you know, try to be there for these kids going through this stuff. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Have you done, and you probably have, and I just didn't see, but have you done any videos of you kind of talking just like this, like on YouTube, like just to, to the child who's out there, like the young you type of person? I haven't because the discoverability is weird. Like, I don't know that people would be able to find it, but maybe I should. (laughs) I'm yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I'm kind of embarrassed to It feels arrogant for me to step out of my shoes and be like, oh, I should be doing this stuff. But I I know that the books give me a platform and I should, I should utilize that. It's just, I don't know. I'm like, who am I? I'm, I'm just a writer. Like I'm not a therapist or a psychologist or, but I'm a survivor. I guess that gives me a reason. I mean, I think you could just say that. Or maybe I'll just put this on YouTube and there you go. (laughs) My swollen red nose and, you know, (laughs) but seriously, I mean, I think, Let's just say one boy finds it. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, that would be. Right? And he's like, oh, wow. If he got through it, like maybe that boy doesn't have access. Maybe he can't read that well or maybe he's not. I don't know. I mean, I know you have other ways. I, I, I don't know. Maybe just yeah, a no, this, time. This makes me think I should do my homework and like get on YouTube and see what is on there and see if there's something that I can add to it, add to the conversation. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their own story, right? And you've written it so beautifully. And I don't know, just cover yeah. yeah. Maybe just get out there. I'm th- I'm just now can you put that visual of the of the kids stuck at home and looking online only for for help, right? Yeah. And not yeah. in the library because the library's closed and they can't afford books and you know, all that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's it's a fair point. I like this. <laughs> 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 I mean, you're so good at talking. You're so articulate. And I don't know. I'm not sure everybody is as comfortable being able to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, being in therapy for the last 20 years helps. I think it was also one of those things where, you know, when I started writing, like I didn't want to write about this stuff. I was writing sci-fi and fantasy and scary yes. novels. And it was one of those things that I avoided like the plague. And But upon writing Free Lunch, I realized that you know, it is important to tell these stories and I need to take out the, 
that feeling of like, who am I? Because again, like I do feel arrogant. I feel awkward talking about myself, but then I've, I get so many emails and so many Instagram direct messages. And I get so many Facebook people saying like, I read this to my class or I read this to my son, or I read this to my daughter. And it's, and I mean, these people are like thanking me for helping spread empathy and for talking about this stuff. And, you know, there's even a lot of librarians and teachers who reach out and say, I went through similar things when I was a kid. So thank you for writing this. And it breaks my heart. But at the same time, it, it also, I think it's important for these people to feel seen. And so, yeah, I, I mean, as hard as these are to write, I'm glad that I wrote them. All right. Well, this is your homework on this gray day in LA when you uh, don't want to go out of bed. It's like, we're going to get off and you just like, do a quick video to the kid and just say, I'm a writer. I don't feel like I have any right to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And maybe somebody out there will find it. And then yeah. if that one person writes you back, then you can write me and be like, it was all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> right, okay, fine. <laughs> anyway, so what else do you have going on? You have these two books out now. I know you're always doing a thousand projects. So what else is going on? Well, right now I'm working on something called uh, Abuela, Don't Forget Me, which is about my grandmother. If you've read my books, you know what a powerful force she was in my life. And she was always there for me. She was an angel. She was a support system. She was always encouraging me to do better, to get out there, go to college, et cetera, et cetera. So she's, you know, both my parents are not great, but she's always been amazing. And Right now, she has dementia, and it started a few years ago, and it's been getting worse and worse, and she got COVID early on and, you know, went into a hospital for three weeks, and this was at the very beginning of COVID. They put her in a room for three weeks by herself and, like, basically locked her in there because she kept trying to escape because she didn't know what was going on. She kept forgetting the hospital. She didn't know what COVID was. So she declined really, really horribly. And she's just forgetting a lot. And, you know, I try to visit her as often as I can because she's down in Texas. And it's every time I see her, she's a little more diminished. So I've been writing down all the memories I have of her, but I've been writing it down in free verse because I wanted her to be able to sit down and read something very quickly and hopefully, you know, remember it. And so I started it as something for her, but now I'm you know, I showed it to my editor and he's like, let's make this into a book. So it's it's very much a love letter to her and to all grandmothers out there who help their grandchildren. Because I, I, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of books about how great grandparents are and how, you know, even if your parents aren't great, like grandparents can really help change your life. So that's what I'm most proud of that I'm working on. And then I have a lot of other books that are graphic novels and prose that are fantasy. And I'm very excited for those because it's it's a little bit lighter fare. Uh, <laughs> one of them is called Supernatural Society. And it's about three kids who live in a town full of monsters, myths, magic, and mad science. And only they can see it. So they it's up to them to save the town. I have another graphic novel called Swan Lake Quest for the Kingdom coming out. And that's takes the ballet and turns into an action-adventure fantasy. So yeah, I'm working on a lot of books, and they're all so fun, and it's really great to kind of get out of my head. But I, uh, the books that I'm writing under my own name that are facts, that are memoirs, you know, those are the hardest, but in a way, they're the most rewarding. Wow. Well, I can't wait to read the one about your abuela. You should take lots of pictures and stuff. I'm sure you are, but... I feel like you should put that in the book so we have, you know, like her life. 
Yeah, I I just sent a bunch of pictures to my editor the other day, and I was like, we have to include these in the back good. of the book. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, I actually talked to my editor of my memoir that's coming out in July, and I was like, I think after this I want to write about my grandmother. And she was like, okay, yeah, let's talk grandmother stories. And I was like, okay, all right, put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah, I had such a great relationship with my grandmother, and she was so funny. I don't know, she was such a character. I feel like the problem with me is like I can't remember. I, like my memory is slipping so fast. Do you ever feel like, like, I feel like I have to, yes, like, asking my husband all the time, like, wait, I know she said something funny during that visit. Like, what did she say that didn't remember? What was it? <laughs> you know, so I'm like, how can I write more memoirs? I can't remember anything anymore. But anyway. it, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I, I feel like I'm dumber than I used to be. I used to have such a big vocabulary, and now I'm like, do I, I don't have a vocabulary anymore. And I don't know, COVID has been hard too because it, I feel like for two years I wasn't being as social as I used to be. and and that makes conversations hard. It's just a weird time to be alive. Yeah. Well, you know, you could start a podcast. You'd be talking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't left my house much in two years, but I've, you know, had lots of conversations. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not to say my vocabulary is in any great shape, but, you know, better than it would be probably. <laughs> Memory, I, I don't know. Got nothing. <laughs> so what advice would you give? I know you've given this before, but I like to ask, you know, especially after projects, you know, somebody who's trying to write something, maybe advice to someone who's trying to write something that's really hard for them or that it's, they've been avoiding, like, how do you get them to go there? That's an awesome question. I would say, first of all, be easy on yourself. If you're not in the right headspace, you're not in the right headspace. But there is something to be said about sitting down and forcing yourself to kind of go through it. There were times when I didn't feel like writing, but I was like okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and write. And then if I, I'd give myself an hour and if I, you know, wasn't productive, I would, I would take a break. But then there were times when it's like, I'd be really depressed and I'd be like, okay, you know what? This is the perfect mood to write it because I'm not going to get any worse than I am right now. So I might as well just dive right in. And some of those were the best chapters because I was really pouring what I was feeling into the, the books, into the chapters. And then afterwards, you know, Sometimes I would have to have a good cry. Sometimes I would get outside and go for a run. Sometimes I would open up a bottle of wine and be like, okay, you can drink at least half of this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, there was a lot of self-care involved. And I think that's really important, not just in writing, but in everyday life. It's so easy to forget to take care of yourself. And it's so important, especially if you know, you ha- you're busy, if you have a lot going on, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, okay, I'm going to put myself on the back burner and I'm going to focus on all these other things. So yeah, definitely, definitely take care of yourself. And yeah, when writing, just really focus on the important stuff and make sure you address the five senses. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to do like a writing one-on-one, but I would definitely say self-care. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Well, hopefully this conversation even if you don't do your own YouTube thing, hopefully this will find someone who needs it out there. I'm hoping so. Yeah. And just keep doing what you're doing. It's so amazing. I have so much respect for you. Seriously. I just, uh, in so many ways, all of it, I'm just the ability for you to write it down. The fact that you got through it all, that you've just like, I mean, you've had every sort of disadvantage, right? Every, from the withholding of maternal love essentially which is the most basic thing most human beings are given and that you come out of it helping other people it's really beautiful it's really amazing so well thank you very much i appreciate that
Anyway, and that you're such a great writer. So, <laughs> awesome. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, Rex. Well, have a great day. I hope it. Uh, I hope it turns around and that the sun comes out soon. Yeah, feel better. Okay, thanks. <laughs> All right, bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 